The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. It's Don't Bet On It, R.J. Bell with the hot take, hot shot, Steve Cofield. What a show, what a show. We're talking Golden State, Cleveland. Not handicapping the game. We've got more and enough of that. We're talking the storylines of this final series. Some of it includes fourth time around, good or bad, Greeny has a Hot take, hot on that one. LeBron, is he setting up next year in a conniving way? What's the odds of the team he's going to play with next year? Also, him versus Kyrie Irving. Stephen A. Smith has a take. And staying with the finals, Kevin Durant with a Colin Cowherd. He has a take on Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. When we get to... Steve Cofield's Get Off My Lawn. He spent 20 minutes today with a porn star, and he's mad about it. That's true. But we got to start with the hot take extravaganza around Colangelo and the 76ers. Showtime! Woo! You know, Steve, people that are in the business... You know, one of the things we'll talk about is LeBron versus Michael Jordan. You'll you'll hear the radio guys say, "Oh, you know, I just hate that conversation." It's like this this is the epitome of why you're on the radio is to talk about LeBron versus MJ or something like this. You should be doing something else if you don't like. It's like a gambler saying, "You know, Super Bowl weekend, it's just too much action, too much hustle and bustle." Well, this uh, Colangelo story. Man, it took off. It's intrigue. It's uh, secrets. It's the idea of even a guy this successful might be petty. What is your number? <laughs> as as you as the story, and we're taping here Thursday night at the pregame.com offices. What was your number one first strong feeling about this story? That there's lots of successful people that have really fragile egos. So right this now, guy, this guy came over mainly with burner accounts to boost himself, defend himself. And I, I guess the other part of it is you never know who really has a nasty streak in him because he ripped the hell out of a lot of people. Now, we could say allegedly. Let me ask you this question. <laughs> it's looking pretty shady, though. <laughs> so if pretty you had, shaky as defense. It, we like to put it into dollars and cents here. If I said you have to bet on... Colangelo knowing nothing about this, having no personal involvement or awareness. What is the plus money underdog payout that you would require to bet it? So I think it's a 10% chance he didn't know about it. Okay. So you, you know, nine, 10 to one, you take it. So that I think if a guy's got a 10% chance of being innocent, maybe we should say allegedly. Now, what's I, it? I guess. I mean, I saw some of the investigative stuff done. <laughs> but but you're the were. one that said 10%. So you, now this you're is, convincing me, no, all the facts are 100%. Well, then it shouldn't be 10%. So what, what what's the scenario you think could have happened that he wasn't aware? 
Well, I think you you built it that it could have been someone in the family doing it. I mean, Roger Goodell had his wife doing it. Now I don't know if Raj had knowledge of it. That that was never proven, but it looks pretty damning when people did some uh, investigation on these accounts and tried so, to recover. So the, so the ringer broke the story. Yeah. Well, they some some uh, I don't know who they were if they were media people or just random tweeters, but they were trying to use the recovery process on Twitter. And the recovery process seemed to have the same email, which was a a BP, which could be like BPC, like Brian P. Colangelo at Gmail as the email address every time. It was BP, then all asterisk.com. And then the phone number had 9-1 at the end of it, which apparently his wife's phone number has 9-1 at the end of it. <laughs> that was three different burner accounts, all the same thing. So was the wife doing it? Or, I mean, and the knowledge that was sent out there, I mean, there was injury information, that was sent out. He had some goofy story where he was trying to throw Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade under the bus, which sounded like he'd heard a story uh, secondhand and used it as his own story, but he used it as an anonymous Twitter person. It's bizarre. The whole thing's bizarre. I, I still can't believe Goodell's wife did it. Well, to me, here's what blows my... These people are making... In the case of Goodell, he's making $35, 40000000 million. His wife cares what people say about him on Twitter or anywhere? But here's the thing about making eat your shrimp and enjoy life. Here's the <laughs> you love the shrimp, Colangelo. Eat the shrimp. You're, you're the son of a don. What do you care? Here's the thing. <laughs> you're thinking about the college bowl representatives. I love, I love I love rich people just living it up, just eating shrimp, stuff in their face. I, when you think about being rich, it's it's shrimp is what you think about. I don't know. Well, you 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 brought it up. I would I've got it in your head. I'd go caviar, some truffle. I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever had caviar? I've never had caviar, and I've never in had New truffles. Jersey. It's like uh, uh, the sausage on the pizza, like, exactly. Uh, yeah. like, like some locks, <laughs> some locks on the pizza. I watch a lot of food shows, so the, the, it seems like they amp it up with some caviar and truffles. So here's what I'll say: Usually, if you don't have people telling you no you get even more thin skinned. Ooh. Right. So I think in general, if you, if you got a job at seven 11 or a work a day job and you got a boss and especially if you're dealing with the public off the street, it's hard to have too much of a thin skin or you're going to end up in jail or you're unemployed. So, but a guy like, you know, Goodell or, uh, you know, a GM in the NBA, how many times are they told no? Plus and it's, and it's, it's not just being told no, it's being told in the, you know, in vile terms sometimes you're right. a piece of crap. It is the common bond too, the the sons of really successful people? Because growing up they had everything, yeah, I, I, if then, anything, then they're handed yeah. a lot of the opportunities. Colangelo, you can go to pro athletes who aren't necessarily handed anything, but they're very thin-skinned sometimes. Ken Griffey, but especially Barry Bonds always seem very thin-skinned. No, I agree with that too. I I think in general, if you grow up with wealth, it's tough. There's uh, nothing healthier than been beaten down as a kid every once in a while. Well, I think it conditions it, you. I think it could go both ways, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I think for me, being a coal miner's son and a school teacher's son was just right because the coal miner was the grit and the six days a week of working, and the uh, school teacher was, hey, read those books, sonny. Like it kind of worked Same out. Same thing here. Son of a uh, union worker, sheet metal guy, and my mom is uh, bipolar. So, yeah. <laughs> she would just go crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> I was th- I was going to say, why did you take her advice with the reading? But now I understand. <laughs> now, what I what else I find interesting here is the use of burner. I really wonder. I mean, other than the wire, how often 
Have you heard the word burner used? I've never heard it for Twitter. Yeah. It, I've it, never heard it for social media. Like when Kevin Durant got caught a while back, even when Goodell's wife uh, got caught, I didn't hear burner Twitter accounts. Yeah, I ain't no suit wearing businessman like you. You know, I'm just a gangster, I suppose. And I want my corners. <laughs> so I do enjoy that, right? Because sure. I'm a huge Wire fan. And if you haven't watched The Wire and you like good TV, get to it. Um, here's what confuses me. If somehow you had control of like a powerful account, let's say somehow uh, someone gave you a thousand bucks or some amount of money and said, Steve, I want the uh, username and password for your account. I'm not going to tweet anything out from the account necessarily, but I want to reply to people. You got a blue check mark and you've got, you know, uh, tens of thousands of followers. So it's going to come with a little bit of import. And maybe it's, oh, uh, hey, this coach or this GM is really better than you think. Or his collars look pretty good. You're crazy. You don't know fashion. Get a GQ, dude. <laughs> then the idea it's coming from an account with a blue check mark. It's coming from an account with a lot of followers, relatively. I get the idea you think. But these quote-unquote burner accounts had like what? How many? Like a couple hundred followers. Now, it doesn't mean that if you have a couple hundred followers that your opinion doesn't matter, what it means is your opinion gets lost in the shuffle. Right. Right. So the idea that they would risk this kind of, I mean, literally, I think at this point, a favor, and, and again, taping Thursday night, a favor to lose his job, you'd have to say, is for what? For if there's 30 replies in a thread and there's just one random reply what what are you even gaining? It's almost like a type of therapy. It feels like like to like if he was just lashing out at his critics, this would make more sense. But the idea of like saying negative stuff about his own players and stuff like that's all talk about bipolar. That seems kind of crazy because he could trade anyone he wants in theory. Why would you complain about the people that you you know that's on your team? Isn't the whole design though to tweet enough? To where at media members, especially, and get in conversations where they start to buy this weird Twitter account as a source. Now they may not direct; they might not use it without investigating further, but it may point them in a direction. You don't. You haven't seen, especially in the gambling world or Vegas connected. You haven't seen like four or five accounts where you're like, "Wow, this random account with a few hundred followers seems to be sniffing around something all the time, like interesting stuff." I think in gambling, there's been I mean, it's kind of died down because there used to be this. I don't know. I don't want to call it a community. These rogue players that felt like, hey, I know what's best for this industry, so I'm going to butt my nose in every thread I can and and be a force. In my experience, that's been a, uh, that ends up making your opinion less valuable. Meaning, what tends to happen is if someone says. Hey, Steve Cofield, he's a bad guy. Now, if someone saw that and then they go to that account and they see it's all anti Steve Cofield or all anti radio guys, whatever, it's just, it's like all oh, par for the course. Right. So if anything, I, I think that's, that that's probably a net negative. And I'm not saying there aren't certain Twitter accounts that resonate with certain media members and they do maybe take a minute and ponder what's being said. But I don't think it's, 
again, how many followers do you have now? Because you've got a nice number, but enough where it's manageable. Uh, like 14,000. All right. So you read, do you, what percentage of your at replies would you say, or your mentions would you say you read? Probably 90%. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and again, obviously. Which I should do 100. Well, obviously. You can. You have, you have way too many. Yeah. And that's, followers. and again, I have. Which is a good thing too. I, mean, I have great. no, I have Tremendous. none, you know, I have relatively none compared to a guy with 10 million or whatever, but I've got 160,000 and it's, it's a situation where the. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Pump it up a little more. Make it less manageable. <laughs> but that I'm, Where's Stephen A with my account? <laughs> but that's the thing is when you have, uh, you know, and I've seen people's accounts where I'll look at their phone just to say, let me see your mentions where they've got a million, two million, three. You couldn't even start. Right. Even if you went to the just show me verified people, it's hard if you had that many. So to me, in a weird way, the only people that's going to be listening you know, and maybe it was a goal to go at the beat writers or something. Maybe that's, maybe you're right. Maybe. So who did he, who did these accounts, him allegedly, who did these accounts seem to go at? I think at media people for the most but, part. But usually local media people. Right. right. Okay. Okay. Maybe. So he's thinking he's actually getting a yield out of this in theory. All right. Let's right. Get, that there has to be a target. You don't just do it randomly. Well, with, but again, none of this makes a lot of sense. But here's the thing about this. There are now accusations that he was doing the same thing Toronto when he worked for Toronto and that his burner accounts have been an open secret for years. Like people have known there may be something going on with the Colangelo kid for a while. I tell you this, if if everything about Twitter and obviously people, you know, there's porn, there's cheating, there's drugs. I mean, the idea of Skipper, John Skipper, the head of ESPN being a, you know, uh, a Coke user, I mean, who would have guessed it? And I think we all know, you know, time for a little bit of uh, honesty here <laughs> is, <laughs> is everyone thinks, but deep down they know it's not true. They think I'm hiding stuff and, you know, no one knows. And because we're all hiding a lot and not so much bad things, but like what you think in a given situation or and almost everyone feels like if 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 any one person knew everything I thought, they'd think I was crazy. But everyone thinks that. So I, I think in general, there's a lot more going on than we realize, as in, you know, uh, Twitter accounts or who yeah. knows what. Hey, Mike Florio, uh, Pro Football Talk Today said that uh, the search was on for burner accounts around the NFL. They think there's they think there's folks in management around the NFL doing the same thing. But really, if he here's the question. Allegedly, if Colangelo had defended himself, but hadn't been negative, hadn't given injury information, supposedly, or hadn't um, crapped all over Sammy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If it was just a matter of, man, that Colangelo, you hear him talk sometimes, he's smart. Like, if it was that kind of thing, really, would this even be a story? No. It's the medical, and it's the attacking some of his own star players. And then yeah. Embiid so, said he so out cert- yesterday, and he's like, nope, not me, Joel. I'm telling you, it's not me. Well, what's he going to do? Right. I mean, could, so, you know, eh, let's hear it. <laughs> to wrap up this topic, and I, and, I, and I do find it fascinating, let's hear what the guys from PTI 
had to say about it because a great part of the fascination with the NBA increasing its popularity has to do with the two way obsession with social media, the content that flows from the players and the generation that consumes it insatiably. The biggest new stars on the horizon, notably Joel Embiid, are among the daily celebrities in the popular culture. Tone, with all that in mind, is this a soap opera that's weirdly good for the NBA? No, 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 no. It's not weirdly good. It's great for the NBA. Good. I'm glad we agree on that. It has intrigue. It has high tech. It has heroes and villains. It is a detective story. And it gives Joel Embiid the chance once again to talk. Once again. No, this is... This is so great. And, and this next chapter is we don't know who the source of this is. We, we, is it Sam Hinkie? You know, is Who's it Joel Embiid? That's who right. is Deep Throat? Our friends, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward, went a 30 to 40 year run without revealing <laughs> who Deep Throat was. So this That's is right. it gets the focus off anything going on with Mark Cuban. It gets the focus off the possibility of a 4-0 final. This is great, Mike. Boy, I don't get that. Like, I get the idea of publicity is a good thing, but usually if it's publicity that somehow feeds your narrative, as in, oh, how exciting this league is, or, you know, we had uh, the record high ratings. The idea that one of your pedigreed families might be a borderline whack job, I I get that it's a trade-off, right? There's a negative, but you're getting attention. But in the NBA playoff or in the finals, you don't need attention. You get this? I like the beginning. I, I liked how uh, Wilbon connected the success of the NBA to the, the flow coming from the players and the feedback from fans. But the, this one, it crossed the line. I'm not not angry about it. If the Sixers want to keep him, they can keep him. I just don't know how those players coexist with a guy who might be crushing them on you know fake Twitter accounts. And I, it's if you're cool, it's Burner. Uh, burner. I know. I, should, <laughs> I went away from the narrative. Now, here's what I'll say. There's part of this that I think speaks to where LeBron goes next year. Oh, so come gonna, on. Yeah. Before we do that. Hold can, on. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Okay, so we'll can wait. we address this other point, too, about the objectivity of the ringer? Oh, go ahead. What yeah. do you think of that? So Jimmy Traina, I know he's one of your favorite podcasters out there, has done a great job taking over for uh, the guy who went on to uh, The Athletic, uh, said, oh, I guess he was referencing the Levitard show. Levitard show said... Uh, would the ringer was asking the question, would the ringer have reported this if it were Danny Ainge and not Colangelo? I'll be honest with you. I, I think they would. I find that to be an offensive question. Yeah. I mean, the idea I, in a way it really shows how much of a problem Bill Simmons might have with the idea. He's such a Homer because one, I can't imagine Given, I mean, this has been a boon for the ringer. I mean, a lot of attention. Probably, I mean, by Simmons' account, the biggest story they've had in two years. And even if somehow he would say, I'll trade that story for the welfare of the Celtics, the idea that that, that wouldn't get out, maybe it's six months later, it would destroy his career. I mean, if six months from now you found out that there was this huge Danny Ainge uh, controversy that Bill Simmons squashed out of loyalty to the Saudis, he would never be taken seriously again. So even if he wanted it, I think that's overdoing it. I think we're so short attention span America now that you yeah, can get away with it. Listen, anything. Simmons has a lot of, lot of naysayers yeah. because he's success, you know, very successful and quite frankly, w- approached writing 
in a way that was so different than the old school columnists that there was skepticism. It was like someone coming in and saying, I'm not going to use capitalization or something. These people spent their whole careers figuring out when to capitalize certain words. He's saying, I'm not going to use it. It's like he just uh, didn't really even need it, or I guess you could say needed an editor, but it was more or less a, a blog post before there was prominent blogs, and it really pissed off a lot of old-school newspaper guys. So, And he's making millions of dollars. So, you yeah, but How important is the product that The Ringer pushes out in connection with Simmons' reputation? Isn't it, isn't, aren't their writers established enough and the stuff they're putting out good enough? That there, there may be a lot of people who are like, I, I didn't even know Simmons was the guy running it. Well, if you don't know Bill Simmons is running the ringer, you don't have an opinion about Bill Simmons. Right. But for anyone that does, I think there's a pretty strong 50 50 camp, might be 60 40. But I think it's it, with fans, it's 70 30 positive. I think with other media members, it's 70 30 negative with Simmons. But don't you think when you're branded as media and then part fan you've you've already insulated yourself haven't you no because like how that, much of the audience is going to turn on you about like you just said 30 percent of the audience looks at him as a guy who might not be objective and is boston 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 how many of the 70 percent is he going to lose if they're if they're simmons devotees i'm not sure he'd lose many of the uh consumers but i think in the media if it's 70, 30, nay, and like when I say negative, I don't mean they think that, that, uh, you know, like if you're at a bar and you were just like, so what do you think of Bell Simmons? The fact of, of the people saying, man, you got to respect this. You got to respect that. I think that's a smaller group than got real lucky, you know, and a prima donna. I think there's some of that amongst the guys, quite frankly, it's making 70 K a year, which, you know, Hey, if you're making 70 K a year doing what you love, you shouldn't be complaining probably, but, as you know, media people love to complain. If anyone's making more oh money God. than them, yeah. they're mad. Doesn't matter. And nothing else matters. So I think amongst them, they, <laughs> they, they he would lose another ten percent, and then that seventy or now eighty that were negative would have hold on to that, like Charlton Heston holding on to his gun. I mean, it would be like you, you. They would never give Simmons another break. Isn't this just a battle of egos in the media? If the Levitard camp is going at Simmons which confuses me because unless I'm mistaken and who knows with this stuff how quickly it changes Simmons used to do Levitard's show when it was local yeah which is crazy do it you know that he wasn't doing so and we probably shouldn't we're we're weaning an impression from a tweet from someone else listening to a radio boy yeah but I'll tell you how do you misunderstand that read the tweet great question from Levitard's show just now if the ringer got same story about Danny Ainge instead of Brian Colangelo, would they run it? So it says from Levitard show. So maybe it was a guest because I'd be shocked. So if anyone has extra info on that, I'd be interested. But either way, I think, and again, I am, first of all, I respect a ton out of what Simmons has done in a weird way. The the one thing I would say <sighs> Well, there's two things I don't like. One, <laughs> one is just fun and personal, not personal. It's my personal opinion. He'll get the and 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 I cannot be a bigger Howard Stern fan. Um, I mean, I, well, I guess I could be, but Howard, <laughs> if I could only listen to one radio guy the rest of my life, and all the other tastes would be destroyed, 
It'd be Howard. It wouldn't even be close. You love Howard. I I, I think he's a, the greatest. Anytime broadcast. you and I have radio conversations, Howard's name comes up. This is the away from podcast. Yeah, the philosophy th- of radio. Yeah, and, and again, I I think he's had people lose sight. And again, I generation gap is pre. You know, other than Dave Latterman, pre Howard or and other than Howard Stern, and Stern was even more so. There was no real Harley. And again, there, someone might say this guy in Denver back in 78, but on the national scale, there wasn't real conversations. Right. And, you know, we can look at what, when did Mike and the Mag Dog, Dog start? It's 20 years ago. Yeah, 89. Or 89. So, yeah. so maybe a little after that, 92, whatever. That's it was. 30. The stage, the yeah. Okay. So it's been like 25. Yeah. Play, okay. Yeah. Is if you're talking about how much you hate this reliever, for the Yankees, right. I mean, you're having a conversation, but you're not talking about, you know, your your wife had an, or, or a miscarriage or whatever. And uh, he invented the medium of full disclosure and real conversation, no doubt, and the ensemble cast. Yeah, well, which, which is, might which be I, bad because <laughs> there's in, so many in, trying to do it. In now. a lot of cases, there are a lot of people who should not be on the air. But that that whole cast of characters thing is great radio. Everyone should be doing that if you have Howard Stern running it. And, yeah, and, you know, I so. actually I like Levitard a lot. I know maybe you're not the biggest fan, but I think Levitard has actually replicated that to a certain extent. What I don't like about Levitard, and I have had no personal dealings with him, yeah. he seems like he doesn't want to be there. Like to me, you know, you talk uh, talked about Jimmy Trana uh, again. I th- I think it's cool he's taken over the podcast because I like media podcasts. I think he needs some reps. So, but I think he, you know, he's certainly trying to do a good job. So I respect that. But Richard Deitch, a guy that now is actually doing radio. And here's the thing about Deitch is when he was doing the Sports Illustrated pod, if it went over like an hour 10, he was like constantly saying, well, no one's left listening. And I can't believe we've gone this long. And it's like, dude, if you if you think it's worth talk, I'm still, you know, obviously the only people that's going to hear that are the people listening. Right. So that means you're telling them you're kind of dumb. For, for still listening. And, you know, to me, that's the thing I, I dislike the most about his style on podcasts is turn on the mic, talk till you, you know, till you feel like you've talked it through. That's the beauty of podcasts. And every listener has a choice of when they can stop listening. Now, we've got our stats with the dream preview, with what we're doing here. And it's like a significant, like a shocking majority listen all the way. We'll do 210 on whatever, and a shocking majority listen all the way to the end. Doesn't mean, yet, you know, anyone who wants to quit at any point in any show, they should. But, you know, so, and, and to me, it's similar with Levitard. It's like, you're asking me to listen to you, but you don't seem to want to talk about sports. And... I get it. You want to do it. I'm not saying don't do anything but sports, but when you're talking about sports, get excited about sports. I think it's the bit. I think they're trying to come off so the, that old sports. Too talk cool is for school. Okay. Well, I mean, there are other hosts who did it too. I thought Van Pelt and Rosillo, I liked the show most of the times, but they were kind of too cool for school as well. But here's the question. It's one thing to think 20% of what's being discussed in the sports world is beneath them. Right. And we can agree or disagree with that, but the other 80% you're excited. Yeah. Do you ever hear Levitard excited about a sports story? Not, you know, where, whereas, can you believe how great that game was? It's more of the peripheral stuff. It's more of the stories around the story. 
Like what's an example? What's an example of the last thing you heard Levitard have genuine passion? Well, I'm going to ex- be honest. I haven't listened to it forever because I don't listen in the mornings to radio. But uh, I, I think they get most excited about the guy topics and and you know. So, so you're that- making my point is. It- there's no sports that excite you or hardly any. And again, I've only li- listen. I probably listened 10 hours in my I, life. I really think they're playing characters and, and Stu Gotts is theirs. You know, he's supposed to be the over the top angry sports guy here and there and irreverent. And I'll be honest with but you. I can, but I can also see, cause we all deal with this. I can also see you turning off the audience by constantly making it sound like you're demeaning them. Like you like sports, you're stupid. I'll be Which honest. Actually, I think you have to be careful on. I'll be honest with you. I get a ton of heat. Uh, well, a ton strong. I get three or four tweets a week. And again, I'm not looking at every one of them. So I'm, there's probably more is where they say, oh, you're so hard on Fezzik, but get easier on Fezzik. You're so hard on Brad. You're so hard on whomever. And to me, it's like, I know if you're listening to our podcast, if you're listening to our Fox radio show, whatever you're giving me and and I'm the executive producer or whatever, you're giving me the show your time and I'm going to try my best. I I'm going to be entertaining. Hopefully sometimes, sometimes maybe not, but I'm going to try my best. And if it takes me getting pissed off at one of these guys, cause they're not prepared or they're saying something that's boring, I'm going to take side with the listeners over my guys because they have to have the same mission as me, right? So they got to want to be told this isn't working. These guys, if the premise is it's not going to work regardless because we're bored with it all, what, I, that might be fun to watch for 10 minutes once. Who would want to tune into that every day? Yeah, I don't know if they're bored with it all. I remember when he first came on because he threw out the concept, Levitard, that we're going to do a fun sports show. And I was like, fun? It's not what we're here for. I think for. that's great. But if it's yeah. the day after the car, you know, the day after the NCAA uh, basketball championship game, the Tuesday after, I want to hear about the game. Well, not everyone does, though. Well, then, get, then, then that should be the, on another sports station. People get bored I mean, this the is the main arguments. ESPN feed. Yeah. From a, and again, there's room for different shows for different different audiences. So because we get it on, we used to run Colin locally here on the ESPN station. Now we run Levitard and. Well, you're not choosing, right? It's an ESPN station. That's the feed. But both are very polarizing, and there's a lot of people now who are like, hey, where's Colin? I don't like Levitard at all. And I actually think the Levitard audience generally seems to be cut off at a certain age. Well, I mean, from what I can see, you look at the ratings, like Levitard's down almost like 50% from where Colin was. So, and and it doesn't mean it's not a great show, meaning it's not my cup of tea. Right. But but there can be, you know, I some of the greatest TV shows of all time had horrible ratings. Just me as a sports fan, and we'll move on. When I tune into something, I'm choosing in, in an on-demand world, I can listen to whatever I want. What I want as a starting point, as a first bid, is authenticity and passion. And you can say what you want about Stephen A., but personally, I think Stephen A., is 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 super passionate. I you can't be the way he is, and and not believe it. And I don't. I'm not saying that he might think LeBron is really good, but he's going to say, you know, maybe he's not quite as good as others think. He's going to frame it in a way that makes it where it's more of a story 
But he genuinely, we're talking decimal points with him. He genuinely believes it. And I, I, I challenge you as a guy. I hear you, RJ Bell. I hear you. I challenge you as a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I challenge you as a guy that does 15 hours of local radio a week and three hours with me on Fox National and other things nationally to tell me one really successful guy in our business, in the sports media business, that is inauthentic. I can promise you, because I know him personally, you know, quite well, uh, you know, I don't know if quite well is a word. Let's just say I, I would make a major bet on this. Colin feels very passionate about what he says. Again, he might put an angle on it where, you know, he frames it in a way that's a little bit more incendiary. Okay, fine. And you can say that's wrong, but he believes it. When you tell me, oh, that's the stick, he's play- that's what he's playing, right there I tune out. And so give me one guy. I mean, let's go down the list. You think, I think if anything, Dan Patrick might be too authentic because he's so lackadaisical, whereas he's, um, you know, all right, guys, we're back. Like he's talking like you wonder if he's kind of not bored, but he's like, uh, you know, his energy isn't, he's not a typical radio guy who comes up at, at many points, right? It's like, boy, that's such a great caller. It's like, all right, we're going to go to Philadelphia with Steve. You know, that, that kind of low key, but that's authentic at least. He's showing you his genuine, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to get excited when it's time, but generally here I am, guys. Take me or leave me. So at least he's authentic, right? Give me a guy who's not, that's very successful. And I'm not saying authentic, inauthentic is like some evil thing. I'm saying that's playing a character. He's on Fox Sports Radio. Go I ahead. do think Clay Travis is boosting to level to a level of being a character, and he's taking it to the next level. Nothing against him. Let me ask you a question. I think it, I actually I think it's a really good. I don't want to insult him and call it a bit, but I think he does go over the top sometimes. You know what's funny for a purpose. You know what's funny though. So let's think about this. And and one of the things we try to do is. And this is a real pet peeve of mine. There are true geniuses. I mean, geniuses. I'm not talking smart. I'm not talking brilliant. I'm talking like stunning. Like if uh, a Victoria's Secrets model walks in, you're if you're you know a guy that likes girls, your heart's beating a certain way. There's like a physiological response if a girl's pretty enough. There's people who are so smart you can't interact with them without feeling. The, the power of it, it's a rare thing, is a guy, guys that smart are both, both Democrat and Republican. And there's hundreds of them. I mean, you know, even if you say 99.9% is a true genius, and I'm not sure where the number is, well, if you take one out of a thousand, when you have over 300 million people, now, the Democrats might say, well, I bet there's a majority of those guys on our side or vice versa. Either way, there's dozens, if not hundreds on both sides. So the idea that the other side's crazy, I think that's a, a new thing. That's a bad thing. And obviously it's bad because you're not talking either. Right. So I, I'm not getting into the, any of that. Here's my question. In the spectrum of politics, with a hundred being the most right wing guy in the world, uh, one being the most left wing guy in the world. Where do you think Clay Travis is? Uh, so 65 or 70. Okay. But I'm not even sure that that's 
real. I mean, but who cares? For, who cares be, for a minute? The content would be, say, a 70. But who cares for a minute? Let's call right. it 70. Right. So that means more than half the Republican, because 75 would be right in the middle of the right, right? 25 would be in the middle of the mm-hmm. So you're saying he's slightly less conservative than the average Republican. Okay. So here's the question. How is that so worthy that it's got to be a shtick? Because if you look at the last, like your partner on your local show, um, he writes for the Review Journal, Adam Hill. Where's he on that spectrum? He's like a 10. Probably. All right. But do you wonder if it's a shtick with him? No. But I also know him personally. Okay. So maybe but, I'm insulting but, but with all I, of, should, but, I need I need to speak to him off air. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's interesting how when the basic premise of and, and I would honestly say, I mean, you're a pretty reasonable dude about almost everything, I would say. So but I mean, I, in your mind, guess where you are in the spectrum. And I'm going to come up with a number. Ready? You're 37. Okay. All right, so you are. I would have said a forty. Uh, you're <laughs> you're towards the left, yeah. but you're re- quite in you know close to the middle. Okay, isn't it interesting that Clay Travis is a, a mild conservative, and somehow it's got to be a shtick? Is it that presupposes that the right is wrong and the left, and that to me that's part of the problem? Is that yeah, you're obviously going to think you're right if it's what you believe, right? But here's the thing, and this will be the last thing I say about this. Is I'm 47 years old. I um I've always as a kid I was precocious. Um I I did get in. You know you can't even say this without it seem like a humble brag, but I'll just say it as the truth. I got into Harvard Law School. I graduated first in my class. Wasn't the valedictorian inside joke, but I graduated first in my class of finance at the Ohio State University. I feel like the stuff I thought 10 years ago. So when I was 37, I mean, I had been around the freaking block was idiotic. I'm not even talking Paul. I'm thinking like if, if, if the 47 year old RJ went against the 37 year old RJ in anything except maybe a marathon (laughs) is the 37 year old wouldn't have a chance. And the 27 year old wouldn't have a chance. And the 17 year old wouldn't have a chance. Now, to me, I'm proud of the fact I think I keep evolving because I keep working at it. But how can you be so staunch, no matter which side of the spectrum politically you are, if you think significantly differently than you used to? And thus it says, hey, you're going to evolve. How, you know, it, it's one thing to be self-righteous if you've never changed your mind, but then it's like that's a whole other problem. So that's what I don't get is – yeah, you think what you think now, and I'm talking to just the general you, and I, I, you know, a lot of people, especially with politics, feel very adamantly. But how different, Steve? We're about the same age. How different, though? You're rapidly approaching fifty. Is how <laughs> how differently do you feel today than you did ten years ago about important things? I don't know. I'd have to sit down and, and size it up. To where I've, if I've gotten more radical, no, it doesn't or, matter. Or, but or, or but you're certainly not like in a complete lockstep as you were ten years ago. No, right? No, I'm probably more open to things. Whatever it is, whatever change, yeah. whatever change you've made, you've changed. Yeah. So it seems crazy to think you're not going to change in the next ten years, mm-hmm. right? And then the theory is, well, what you're being so indignant about now, you know, you're not going to think in ten years. So how indignant can you be? By the way, I will. Can I bring up another name real quick to, to yes. wrap this? Because I don't, like I told you last week, I don't love labels. 
I think it, but here it, comes one. No, no, no. <laughs> You're right. I'm going to give people labels, but uh, I think when you know when we're labeling each other, uh, the audience then starts to discount everything you're saying. I did tell you last week; it was probably off the air that. So well, if it's off the air, it doesn't count. Well, I'm going to mention it now, right? <laughs> that I also believe that you're, I don't know if you're friends with him or not. We were talking about uh, Robert Latal, who runs Black Sports Online. And I said, what did I say to you last week? And I, I thought that was a bit that I think, and you said, no, I think he really believes a lot of what he's saying. No, I think he's, he's blowing it up to a certain level. That's now his theme. And he knows it gets a reaction. So, See, for, but, me, so for me, when I'm judging a bit or stick or taking it to uh, another level, it doesn't necessarily have to do anything with, hey, I might disagree with what he's saying. So I didn't, in no way earlier did I mean, hey, Clay Travis, conservative thoughts. He's got to be crazy to think that. And I'm also not saying Robert Latale has to be crazy to think that. But when you watch someone consistently go in the same direction, that's where I start to question if it's a bit. Like it's the same yeah, yeah. direction all the time. Yeah, but some of it's very correlated, right? If you're pro-union, you're going to be pro-union in almost every situation. Right. So here's what I, um, Robert, I've known him about 10 years, but we're talking talk maybe three times a year we talk. So very casually, I do believe that he's very genuine, but I, I, he could be fooling me. I think he's a perfect example like Stephen A and, and like Colin is the idea that they believe it mm-hmm. and they are smart enough to frame it. And by the way, Latow went to Ohio state is uh, smart enough to frame it mm-hmm. in a way that's a little bit more exciting. Right. So if, if we're going to say the disingenuousness is that last 10%, then, you know, to Nothing me, against them, it works. but I, what I, I'm I saying is you, I'm, je- I, I'm jealous of times when I see how well they frame it. I'm like, man, they're really, they are really doing this well. And not but, only but are they to playing me, to their audience, but they're also getting great reaction back that, that vitriol, that they so desire, they're getting it. To me, that however you want to describe that extra 10%, that is so tiny relative to someone who doesn't believe something. Like, hey, you take this side, I'll take that side. There's a lot of shows that do that. Mm-hmm. Is you've got to think LeBron's better than MJ, and I'm going to think the vice versa. <laughs> yeah. And to me, I think that is egregiously bad because you're being disingenuous. It's one thing if you're going to hype, be a hype guy, but it's an, and I'm fine with that. It's another thing if you're gonna be you're gonna lie. Really, the, uh, the one is 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 saying the truth with a little bit more vigor, but and the other one is lying. And we can say, well, it's lying about something that doesn't matter. Fine, but I don't think anyone that lies, you know, we get new guys in all the time over the years, and 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 I'll tell them, I never want you ever to say something you don't believe. Because one, you're not, and you've heard this, you're not going to say it well. First of all, unless you're a true genius at talking, you're not going to say a lie well. And number two, you're not going to enjoy saying it. And and then the passion's not going to be there. And maybe that closes this conversation with a full circle. A lot of the guys I don't like that I feel like are disingenuous usually are flat, that they don't have the passion. Because if you are doing a shtick, how do you get excited about it three hours a day? So I just took you away on those tangents from somehow you were going to build a case that Colangelo in trouble helps Philly get LeBron. We're going to tease to that because that's going to be about 15 minutes. Okay. We're going to go through a few other of the NBA stories. Sorry, I took the lead there. No, this is good. This is good. <laughs> and by the way, it's worth saying now, this is going to be our, for uh, we, this is our 12th. Don't bet on it. And we're going to take a hiatus in the summer, we'll probably come back and do one or two, 
But, you know, a lot of people going on vacation. We're getting ready for football. So to me, it's been, and, and the numbers have been great, a very successful 12 episodes from the from the Super Bowl, you know, where a lot of the sports betting goes down through now. And I think we're getting, the shows are getting better. So it'll be back. And next week, by the way, uh, a, a Belmont podcast on Friday morning. And, and our guy, Fred Fowler, he said, boy, if, if, if Justify wins the Preakness, I think there's a huge opportunity in the Belmont. So I, I think if you do like horse racing, it's going to be worth betting. All right, let's shift gears. RJ Bell from pregame.com, Fox Sports Radio. He knows all the lines, knows all the numbers, knows all the trends. I wanted to be honest and not be disingenuous. <laughs> Since I was doing a little humble bragging, why not? All right, let's talk LeBron, as, as you, you might guess. And remember, guys, we're taping as the game's going on. Talk about dedication. So we're not going to talk either way about how the game's going. We're going to focus on the storylines. And the first one's coming from Mike Greenberg, Greeny, as he's called. He had a take on how significant it is that Golden State and Cleveland are playing again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, say it along with me. What we are going to witness tomorrow night is the renewal of the greatest rivalry in the history of American sports. Mm. What? That is not an opinion. That is an undeniable fact in at least one way. No two teams in any sport have ever met to decide the title in four straight seasons. If that doesn't define a rivalry, I ask you what in the world possibly could. As of this week, the Cavaliers and Warriors will have met more times than the Celtics and Lakers did in the entire 80s. Magic and Larry essentially created March Madness in 1979, but then they played three finals in four years as pros, and that was it. Want to go to football? The most common Super Bowl matchup in history is Cowboys-Steelers. They've met a total of three times and never consecutively. I don't like it. I don't like his definition of a rivalry. I think he's trying too hard here. To me, a rivalry has to be uh, split at some point where, yeah, there's a lot of passion. There's to be a lot of passion, and both teams, both organizations, both schools really believe they have a shot to win. I don't believe the Cavaliers as such big dogs and about to lose three out of four times. That doesn't make a rivalry for me. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's the best rivalry in the history of sports. I don't even think it's the best rivalry in the history of the NBA. I don't care that the Lakers and Celtics only played three times. They were in the mix throughout the 80s, one or the other. That's the best rivalry in the history of the NBA. You know, I, I agree with you 100% regarding the following. It's all about definitions. And if we're saying, is it the most impressive result that, that the Cavs have made or LeBron's made it four straight and Golden State's made it four straight? I guess it's been the Cavs every time four straight and four straight. That is shot. I mean, how often does that happen? The fact that it's happening to both in this four year period is an amazing accomplishment. That's very different than how good these games have been now, not last year, but the year before when LeBron came back from three, one and Kyrie hit that shot. And we'll be talking about Kyrie in a minute. One of the great series, I think, because it was so unexpected. And, and LeBron willed him. To me, my argument about MJ versus LeBron is that's the one time I would look at that and say he willed him, where I felt like MJ was doing that often. Um, but over the other two were very non-competitive or uncompetitive series. And 
this one's projected to be. Now, if somehow this is a great series, we can reevaluate. But so far, by if you define this as how amazing is it both teams have made the finals? Very. How great have this has this rivalry been? Rivalry by definition by definition means you're competing. I don't feel like it's been too competitive. No. Well, not going into this one, we're talking about what? Minus a thousand on Golden State. Minus eleven hundred. Ten to one favorites. I mean eleven to one favorites. And not I, a rivalry. And I don't believe that you have to play for championships directly head to head to be great rivals. I think you can be in the same division. You can be in the same conference. Oh, yeah. Steelers, Ravens are never going to play in the Super Bowl, right? College, college football, Auburn and Alabama, same division, same conference, Michigan State. Yeah, I agree. Michigan, State, I agree. Michigan, Ohio State rivalry. Great. Bet, better than this one. More intense, certainly. Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell with Steve Cofield. Last thing on this topic, the hot take hot shot. You have some thoughts in your bet, best Richard Deitch media <laughs> hat about the show Get Up. Can I give my thoughts without you? If you come back at me and go, hey, you're little Steve Cofield. You can't give your opinion on Mike Greenberg. Mike Greenberg <laughs> is an immensely successful guy. He did a, little Steve. <laughs> he did a very good morning show national. He had a great mix with Mike Golick, but I think he overstepped his bounds and didn't realize what he had. Go on. We talked about this a few months ago leading into the show. Get up. I just don't think the mix was going to be right, and I don't think it's been right. There's two leads on the show. Beetle is not a sidekick. I think Greeny needs to be the smart guy lead of a show, and by the ratings, it's not working so far. Now they're looking to add a fourth person next to Jalen Rose and Beetle and Mike Greenberg. So I think it's much more complicated. One, he's he's getting paid, and you hear reports or whatever, six to seven million. So going to television, you don't get paid that typically for radio, no matter how successful. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you felt like that uh, the odds were 20%, the show was going to be really successful. That's an interesting question. Obviously, him and Gola, the, the, there can't be any sense that it was just Greeny parting that made Golik so mad. I mean, if you watch the tape of them signing off, they weren't even looking at each other. I mean, this this is real. And, they, and as they staff were, leaked out, they, hadn't, they weren't really talking to each other during breaks for six months to a year before the end of the show. And I mean, these guys, but these guys, you know, part of the story was always they were at each other's houses for the family events. They were real partners. Um, and that's not always the case in radio. So <laughs> it's a shame, yeah. you know, and, and Golik, in a weird way, you get it, right? He was always the athlete. That's that a we, nerd and the athlete. It's a great gimmick. But what I'm saying is the athlete's the cool one. Right. And then I don't know what Golik's making a year, but the idea that it just seems crazy. Why wouldn't you want to bring, I guess maybe that, that makes the point again, that it had to start before this decision, the conflict. Oh, no doubt. Because why not bring Golik with you? And I don't think it was just between the two of them. I think it was behind the scenes with, Producers and executives. There yeah, was a, there was a note today from ESPN but, Radio where they're like, "Hey, Wingo and Golik, we're steaming along. We've been fine without him." Like, w- wait, why is that out? Why is um, anyone making statements like that? Yeah, like but there produ- seems to be lingering bitterness from a lot of the people around the show too. Yeah, well, that makes sense too, right? And and so there's probably a radio TV thing as well as you mentioned. It's not the same amount of money and you know the recognizability when you go out in public. If that if you're into the ego thing. Yeah, that's a good point. So to me, one, I think Greenberg probably would have done this 
even if he knew it was going to fail, or let's say thought likely it would fail because you're banking a lot of money and there's a chance it's going to work. Two, we're in a world where you want things to happen and, you know, even we don't even want to wait for a cliffhanger between seasons of a show. We were, you know, or week to week. We want to stream them all, binge them. Totally agree. It's not fair to write off the show. The show deserves, you know, at least a year, year and a half to see what happens. So that we just saw a horrendous uh, over, I think, overreaction in some ways in radio at WFAN where they gave a new show one book and they're like, that's it. Got to bring back the old guy, Francesa. Yeah, but the fa- they would have wanted Francesa. The fact they could bring him back was the point, right? Is the fact that if, the- if Francesa, the day he was going to retire, said, you know, I've changed my mind. I want to stay. WFAN would have loved that, right? Right. So the fact that the other show wasn't doing great and they could have Francesca. And what happened to the other show? It got moved up a couple or back a couple hours mm-hmm. and they're doing two hours. Listen, they maybe make, they should they have make, only have done two hours. And they make the same money. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> let's not cry too be okay. much, right? Yeah. For that. Yeah. And, and, and it's, I mean, did you listen to that show? By yeah. all accounts, it wasn't great. No, there wasn't a lot of great chemistry. It was basically just three people speaking at each other, not really reacting to each other. So, hey, you're in the biggest station in the country. I do the fan during football at 3 a.m. Eastern, midnight Pacific, and I get as much tweets. There's probably only two or three shows I do to get as many tweets as that one because the fan is so big. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wouldn't cry about that. Um I don't, you know, to me, Greeny is one of the great mechanics where, you know, coming in, going out, teasing, transitioning, you know, something I'm working on and, and I'm far from great at. You're much better than me at that. That's why you're the the mechanic during our Fox show. The idea, though, that this is his, but that's the weird thing. A mechanic probably doesn't deserve $7 million a year. Meaning, and I never saw Greeny as a, as a guy that drew you in, he was a guy that set the stage for other, for other people to say things that would draw you in. So it's kind of weird. And maybe for TV, it's not that much. I don't know what the TV, but I mean, my understanding is Beatles making almost as much and Jalen's making almost you know, like 4 million. So I, if, if I have to blame anyone, I'm, I'm blaming the, the non-mechanic and I, and out full disclosure, I've hardly watched the show. But just if it is failing in the ratings relative to expectations, if they expected Greeny to be more than a, a great mechanic, I never saw that. And then you got him in this role. That was kind of being the hot take, hot shot. Yeah. And, and we, we do. You know what? It hooked us. I did talk about it a little bit. It's the bit. first time we talked. We, 12 shows, and I it's mean, the first one we did. I did right? it on local radio today, and then I got through like two minutes, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't really care. So last thing on this, uh, big lead, Jason McIntyre's site reported something about maybe another piece of talent coming on. They might try to add a fourth voice, maybe someone strong on football like uh, Booger McFarlane, who's going to be doing sidelines for Monday Night Football. Which I do think there is a point on TV where the set gets too crowded. Like Morning Joe? You ever watch that? Possibly, yeah. They've got like nine people at all times. Well, I mean, they're... There are some CNN shots where you're watching and yeah. they start to pan out and you're I, like, there's nine people. What is going on? I don't even get it. I, I could see a host in two. Yeah. But it's like when someone talks, it's interesting. You know, you're not going to hear from them again in 12 <laughs> minutes. Let's talk about LeBron changing gears here. Is you 
I'm going to play the sound. And we got LeBron on the sound. You feel like LeBron has an agenda, a very clear agenda. Why don't you, Cofield, tell me, hey, LeBron, it's, it's, it's Cofield, not, not RJ. <laughs> Mr. Cofield, tell us what you think Mr. James's agenda is. Did I do Stephen A going into this? I really like <laughs> LeBron James. I really do. But it's pretty clear from these cuts that he... What do you like about him? I think he's one of the all-time competitors. So I you think love, he, you'd like him as a as a player? Yeah, I also lo- I I love the way he's managed his career because that guy has been he was getting killed early on, uh, yet you know anointed the king from the get go, and he's taken so much abuse and hatred after the decision and all that. And he's only had a couple of missteps where he's been a real jerk to people, and he had every right to be someone who just hated the media or hated half the fans. And I think he's handled himself pretty well, and he's he's fun to watch. Certainly. But uh, his agenda here is he knows what's coming here. This is uh, an almost impossible series to win. Uh, he's not playing with a, a loaded team. So I think he's trying to make sure that he gets a soft landing out of this. Like, hey, what what do you want LeBron to do? And it'll also set the path. If he wants to leave this time, people are not going to hate him and call him a traitor. They're going to go, what else could he do? Look at what he's got in Cleveland. Of course he's got to try and go somewhere else. Okay, let's hear from LeBron. And what I'm doing is I'm writing down my impressions because I th- and, and maybe not write it, but just think what what's the oh if there was a thought bubble above LeBron's head, <laughs> what would it be at various points? The odds was against us, you know, from the, from the summer. We just had so many things going with our team. We shuffled in different lineups. We shuffled in different players. We made a trade at the deadline. And um, I can't sit here right now and say that um, finals was was a part of my thinking. It was not. I have to sit here. I can't even lie to you. Sit here and say, I'm, will we be a part of the finals? I would be definitely lying to you if I said, yes, we would be in the finals in January or February. Yeah, you, you didn't think that that was the case no. at all. It was at points where it was like, okay, will the Cavs even make the playoffs? I just know from being a part of the finals for for eight straight years, I know we're playing this team now for the fourth straight years, how much um, havoc and how much anxiety they cause. Whatever happens here in this finals, are you comfortable with what it says about you or your legacy or any of that? Oh, I cannot be comfortable. I'm never comfortable. I'm never comfortable. I've gotten better with understanding that conversations are going to be conversations no matter what. It's so weird in that people kind of categorize like, individuality and then team and then take away one individual and say, okay, well, if you're that good, you should be able to beat that team. You mentioned earlier in this interview about not want Kyrie Irving to be traded. Yeah. You actually made a phone call and said, I don't want this trade to yeah. happen. Felt like it was just bad for our franchise to be able to just to trade away our our superstar point guard. Obviously, I wasn't part of the communications and know what exactly went on between the two sides, but I just felt like it was just it was bad timing for our, for our team to just get rid of our our, our, our point guard. Okay, let's run. <laughs> That's a doozy. There's a lot in there. Let's run it down. The, the Cavs overcame unbelievable <laughs> odds. In fact, reasonable people might have said the Cavs shouldn't have even made the playoffs. But somehow, with all those problems and that trade that I forced and all that stuff. <laughs> and let's be candid. I'm so awesome that we overcame that. Now, I, this is LeBron, I made eight straight finals. You may or may not have known that. And no, I could never be comfortable. I'm always striving to get better in every circumstances. And one area I have gotten better at 
is with the normal stupid people out there that's critiquing me, I realize they're stupid, so I don't take it so seriously. And by the way, if we do lose, I can't be blamed. Don't blame me for losing. And oh, by the way, don't blame me for Kyrie leaving. It was the Cavs' fault. Yep. Is that a fair representation? Yeah, you nailed it across the board. (laughs) Anyone who believes that he... First, his camp leaked the Kyrie wanted to leave request rumors. They set the scene for that. And don't tell me they do anything in Cleveland without consulting LeBron and company. He acted like he was blown away. I cannot believe you traded Kyrie Irving. I didn't want you to do that. That is foolish. And to go back to the beginning... Since we do talk gambling on the show, the odds were against the Cavaliers making the finals for like two weeks combined the entire season. You and I and Fezzik tracked it, and we talked about those odds all year long. They were the favorite to win the East before the season. There was a point for about a week around the trade deadline that the Raptors moved ahead of them, right? And right before the Eastern Conference semifinals, the Raptors were the favorite in the series. The Cavaliers were plus 375, the third choice to make or to win the East, it's about two weeks combined. The odds were almost never against the Cavaliers making the finals. That's listen, absurd. Listen, when LeBron gets blamed for things, it can be tough. Have you ever been accused of doing something you didn't do? Well, it happened to me in Mexico City. <laughs> Mr. T knows how LeBron feels. And I, you know, and like I said, I really like LeBron. Oh but, yeah, of course. On, but no, I mean, but you got to be objective on him. Come on, bro. But you, th- this he, is the he's, this he's very, is kind of the conniving. point. He, he knows he's savvy. He knows what he's doing. Stop. And, and listen, in a weird way, maybe you can't be genuine when it comes to if you're this big of a star. Right? If you're doing a radio show, you can be genuine. But LeBron is what he's got to be one of the ten most famous people in the world, right? No doubt. Maybe it's just a matter of we're asking him to be genuine in a way that would chew him up and spit him out if he were. And if you really think about it, the guys, tell me one guy that became a top 10 most known guy in the world. So I don't know. Did Tiger Woods ever get there? Maybe, let's say, borderline. Yes. Right? Yeah. And... Tom Brady, probably not. But let's just, let's forget the top 10 in the world. Let's think about the biggest stars of the last 20 years. Michael, Jordan, Tom Brady, LeBron. I mean, no baseball player, right? I mean, Kobe on the, on the fringe, right? Yeah. Okay. No other football players. Think about the people I just named. Money Mayweather would be on that list, I think. Not one of them do you get any sense that you're getting anywhere near the truth of their personality. Actually, I think LeBron might be the closest we get. But that's the thing. Maybe that means he's the best at it, Mm -hmm. meaning putting out this stuff that's got an agenda in a way that feels genuine. But if he really felt everything he said there, then then he's not a, I don't want to say not a good person. He'd have a lot of faults if, if that was what he, but if he's saying, listen, I want to shape the narrative the best I can, you know, any, the idea that like a Trump or something believes everything he says, no, he wants, it would seem he wants to shape a narrative out there. And with almost anyone that's over the top, you always hear, man, if you knew him personally, when the lights are off, 
I think LeBron's just a different version of hiding his true self. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen a genuine guy, guy that would do like a long three hour podcast with Joe Rogan or whomever would that th- can survive the scrutiny you're going to be under if you're that famous. They get torn apart. There's there's no moment you can say the right thing if you're honest all the time. Full disclosure, I agree. you get, get annihilated in this, and that's why athletes of this age are dealing with something completely different than guys even into the '80s dealt with. But but I I think Michael was so much more famous than I mean if you look at the any footage from '92, mm-hmm. I mean they would walk in a restaurant with the dream team and it was like. But he was, guard, he was guarded to a oh, certain that's, extent. Oh, he, he was, was guarded to guarded. he was guarded to an extreme extent. Now I can't believe Tiger got away with what he got away with for as long as he did. Yeah, with but, all the womanizing. So to and me, then, and then we it, tore him. We tore him down. And you saw his real personality, and you're like, wow, he's kind of a jerk. I like him. To me, we can <laughs> identify. We can identify something we don't like about the way LeBron is, but to me, it's hard to blame him. And it's hard to really not like something if the person doesn't have a legitimate choice. If the alternative is so horrible, it's hard to ask him to choose the alternative. Now, we talk, he talked about Kyrie. Stephen A. had some genuine thoughts, but maybe with a little extra energy on Kyrie versus LeBron. What I'm saying to you is this. The same Kyrie Irving that averaged 27 one series, averaged 29 the next, proved himself to be a superstar, departed because he didn't want to be treated like some fair-weathered stepchild, okay? He wanted to show that he was worthy of being the face of a franchise. So when I heard that comment, I'm like, well, you know, technically speaking, yeah, you're right. You did tell Dan Gilbert, don't trade him. But he didn't sit up there and say, Dan Gilbert, please don't trade this man. This brother's a superstar. I need him. What he said was, don't trade him. You got his rights. He's locked in for two years. What the hell are you doing? That's a difference. What do you think? I think he's on it. I think he's on it. There's a, there's a way if LeBron... Absolutely. First of all, LeBron could have come out publicly and scream a uh, scream bloody murder, and they wouldn't have traded Kyrie Irving. So he may have done it passively behind the scenes, but uh, when you do it passively, it sort of sends the message that you don't care so much, and you're okay with him going bye bye. Someone's at fault here, mm-hmm. and I mean majorly, because here's what I know: you can't win in the NBA without two or three really good players. If you're playing Golden State, now remember. Golden State was Golden State with Durant when Kyrie chose to leave. So, however you want to order it between Clay, uh, you know, however you want to order the Warriors top four, and and I think there's some flexibility there. How in the heck can you be Kyrie or you be LeBron? And think losing one of the, what, 15 best players in the NBA? Because even with Kyrie, they weren't competitive last year. So how were they going to be competitive losing Kyrie? So the idea that Kyrie wanted to go be his own like team leader, it's like at the expense of being competitive to win a title? Unequivocally, however good they thought Boston was going to be, Kyrie and LeBron would have had a better chance to win against the Warriors and the rest of the cash than Kyrie on Boston. Of course. So someone either, and who's to blame is the question. Either LeBron was so dismissive, was so condescending, was so I'm the alpha 
and you're the pup without understanding at a certain point, you got to say, Hey, I'm on my way out the door. Hey, as the years go by, I want you to step up even more. However, he would go about it. The sense of I'll pass the torch to you. Boy, that would be in theory. That would be so exciting if you're a Kyrie. So either Kyrie was so egotistical. He had to be number one, no matter how much it would hurt his chance to win a title. And thus I would blame him or LeBron was so hard to deal with. Kyrie said, yeah, I know we'd have a better chance, but it's not worth it to me. Someone's to blame. I think most of the blame goes on LeBron. So I could see Kyrie Irving having a screwed up attitude at 26. LeBron's 33. You've been there. You know what it takes to win these titles. You could have taken the high road. You could have been the father figure. You could have been the mature guy who stepped in and stroked the youngin's ego and held it together. And maybe so. And again, I love LeBron James. I think he's awesome, but maybe he got a little <laughs> obviously. Caught, uh, maybe he got. A, I know I keep critiquing him here, but uh, I think he got a little caught up in that. Hey, you know what? I can win with anybody, and he was he was wrong, man. Take the high road. Be an adult. You know, I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of weird. Where I, if I don't have any insight, right. I tend just to not talk. But hey, this is why you do radio. <laughs> always intelligent. <laughs> Well-founded. No, 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 no. Hot take, (laughs) hot shot. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I like to have a little something going every day. Maybe nothing big, but a little daily recreation don't hurt anybody. See? You got to have an opinion. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Passionate. That's what you're ripping a levitard for. I care. Let's talk about LeBron's team next year. Now, I was, this was one on Twitter I was shocked at how many people were interested in the hundreds and hundreds of retweets. So as of Thursday, here are the favorites for LeBron's team next year. Cavs plus 175, 76ers plus 175. So Cavs are the the co-favorite, but they're much less than 50%. Rockets plus 250, Lakers plus 400. Then the long shots. Golden State, 16 to 1. Heat, 20 to 1. Clippers, 25 to 1. If you had to make a bet at those odds, Cofield, who do you bet? I still bet Clippers. Clippers? For, for value. I've argued this. You know, I've argued this for the last couple all months. Right, right. I think that uh, they're going to offer ownership. They're going to have to do it in sneaky fashion. It'll be a future type deal, but I think they're going to offer ownership. Here's my thought. I was on Phil, I was on the Fanatic on Wednesday talking about this and other things in Philly. Here's my thought. I think the Colangelo closed the circle problem is an opportunity. We know LeBron loves control. How about Philly goes to him and say, listen, bring the, who who would you want to be GM? Assuming it's someone they were comfortable with, or maybe LeBron picks a guy they're not comfortable with. So they say, who's your second choice? Boom. He gets to bring his GM in. And all of a sudden now they clean house and he's in his comfortable spot where the boys are on the plane and all the things you hear about it. So a lot of people saying, Oh, 76ers odds should go down because of this. No, I think it opens the door for LeBron to step in with his whole team, as in his brand team, the GM he wants, et cetera. Possibly, right? Uh, I was just looking. I don't think David Griffin has landed a gig yet. I know he was in the mix. Everyone I've said this to has said that about Griffin. Yeah. So, I I mean, they seem to get along well. I think Griffin was the one. Who got booted by the Cavaliers? Because I think he he actually was saying the right thing. Like, no, we're not trading Kyrie Irving. All right. Last thing 
in the NBA here. And then we've got some gambling talk and KD. Let's go. Oh, we, we got two things about KD. And then again, I'm so anxious to hear about Cofield and the, and the, the porn star and how somehow at the end of that Cofield's pissed. I don't even understand how that can be. So mad. We're going to hear about it. First though, our one and only commercial break. All right, Steve, we don't usually do commercials, so you can jump in anytime. I might ask you questions as we go. You ready? Ready. Does your show have live reads and stuff? Yes. Are you that popular? Of course. Hmm. Hmm. Hard to believe. <laughs> We're pitching a sub joint today. I'm talking about, I can't mention all the sponsors. I'm sorry. I was going to actually give me some free subs. I know, right? All right. We're part of Podcast One. We talked about that and Adam Carolla. And Podcast One has a relationship with Bet DSI. They started advertising through Podcast One on our shows, and they've been so happy with the response. And to me, that's a great thing. And they've bought in all the way through the Super Bowl. So that's what they tell me at Podcast One. And it really is a situation where if people are spending yeah, significant, we'll say, money, it's a sign that they have long-term ideas. And that's a good way to think about it if you're considering an online book. Obviously, there's many good ones out there, but if they're spending real money, they're probably going to be around for a while. What's the point of spending the money if they're not? Now, obviously, we got the NBA Finals. We got the Stanley Cup. And I think with the Stanley Cup especially, there's been so much Vegas money in and out of Vegas. If, you're, if you have any inclination to Washington, I think that there's going to be spots where there's real value Bet DSI, 20 years in the business, and there's a special offer. And guys, if you do check this out, remember, use our promo code, and it's DREAM25, DREAM25. And what you're getting is up to $2,500 free on your first deposit. Use DREAM25. Remember, that helps us too because when our advertisers – know that it's coming from us. It helps us with podcast one. And we talked about it. there's PGA coming up. There's boxing, NASCAR, UFC, et cetera, et cetera. And in-game wagering on all the major sporting events. So use dream 25 and try betdsi.com. That's betdsi.com promo code dream 25 true car. Oh, Steve, our old friend, true car. Jump in at any point. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. Do you know what that stands for? Manufacturer's suggested retail price. There you go. There you I go. I used to sell cars. <laughs> Wait a minute. Years ago, in between radio jobs. <laughs> Salesperson of the month, what? slang blade. I call it a guider blade. <laughs> I sold Hondas and used cars. So you five years you were behind the counter. Mm-hmm. Jack of you all sold trades. cards. Yeah, I like to work. You you were with the Thunder down under for how long? Until I get a little bit soft. <laughs> About three months. And then they were like, you're just three sucks. The Roy's wore off. You might even know what it stands for, like Cofield does. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want. 
including fees and accessories. Before you even get to the dealership, two car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if the true price is a great price? Because true car shows what other people paid for that same car you want. And your certified dealers know this. So they set the true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states, which when I hear that, Cofield, I think, well, if it is available in my state, I want to take advantage of it. And it is here in Nevada. I don't I don't know anything about that. It could be. But remember, we got we got people across the world. Of course. Coast to coast. True Car is awesome. I've used it in the past, not to necessarily buy a car, but to do some research. Really? Yeah, it's good. Have you ever had a billion-dollar brand advertising your show like True Car? No, just short of a billion. Just. <laughs> well, I, mean, I am in Las Vegas. I'm sure I've had some casinos advertised on the show. I forget. We've had so many. <laughs> Last one. By the way, if you want to follow Cofield on Twitter, it's at Steve Cofield. C-O-F-I-E-L-D. He is verified. At Steve Cofield. And you can follow. I actually follow you and enjoy it a lot, but I I never really did like an at search to see all the people you're interacting with. Now that might be interesting. Last one, Dollar Shave Club. Now listen, we've had a lot of advertisers with the pregame.com stuff. These guys are the most hands-on, meaning they listen to every read I do and they'll say, hey, RJ, let us teach you more about this. Let us teach you more about that. Now, I'm not going to say that I baited them into sending me a bunch of free stuff by acting overly curious. Let's just say, though, I got a lot of free stuff and I've loved it. And, you know, I wouldn't call. I don't think you could call me metrosexual because my dad's a coal miner. It'd be very hard. But I do enjoy, you know, to me, I, I always think to myself, what's wealthy people do and what's poor people do. Now where I grew up, most people were very poor. I mean, like, you know, literally like, do they have enough money to go to the dentist? So the fact my dad, you know, was a union coal miner and my mom was his teacher, had her master's and that paid like an extra 10 K we were, you know, we were, you know, I don't know, in the top 20%, I guess of the people in my little small town financially, So it was a weird combination where it was a very poor town, but we had a little bit of money and it always like, it's like, well, you know, I always tell people do what rich people do. Like they're having a, you know, like one of my friends, one of my best friends, actually, he has a daughter who was going for the Ivy league schools this year. She was right on the cusp and she ended up actually getting into Carnegie Mellon, which is like the 23rd best school in the country. Great accomplishment. And I was like, go get a tutor for your SAT. Go do this. Go do that. And he's he still lives back in the small town. And he was very skeptical. I said, what would like rich person XYZ do in this case? Now, obviously, sometimes you can't do what the rich person would do. Right? So because you don't have that money. Well, here's the beauty. With something like Dollar Shave Club, you can live like a rich person And it's cheap. It's like have nice, clean razors, have them sharp, have the right gel for this, the gel for that. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products for just five bucks. You don't, hey, you don't have five bucks. 
probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast for just five bucks. You can, because what are you batting? You can get their daily essentials starter set. It comes with body cleanser, one wipe Charlie's, their world famous shave butter. Just think about that where your neck gets red. That's how me with the neck not being as red with that shave butter and their best razor, the six blade executive. Keep the blades coming for a few more bucks a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need for the bathroom. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash dream. So this is a specific URL. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash dream, and you're going to get this amazing, for five bucks, a sampler. So you can be like me, literally. For just five bucks. I got it all. I, I It's kind of stupid. In hindsight, I, I spent all that time trying to bait them into sending me stuff. I could have got it all for five bucks. So can you. But you got to use Dream. DollarShaveClub.com backslash Dream. All right, buddy. Let's get down the home stretch. Staying in the NBA, finishing up in the NBA. We got Mr. Colin Cowherd. And guess what? He's picking on Westbrook. Listen, I know when those two got a divorce, you, the audience, because I read my Twitter feed and I took the calls, you sided with Westbrook. He was more loyal. He's a quality guy. He's a company guy. He didn't desert his teammate. And you all bagged on Kevin Durant. Ring chaser. Bad guy. Flake. Can't depend on him. Two years after the divorce, Westbrook, last two playoff runs, three and eight. Durant, 26 and six. Westbrook now shooting under 40%. Durant over 50. Three-point percentage not close, nor is the plus minus. Everybody sided with loyal guy. Everybody banged on Kevin Durant. Folks, any divorce... For any couple, check in two years later. Who has more friends? Who's more respected? Who's winning more? It's not close, and the gap is widening. Durant made the right call. It's a hot take. Of course he made the right call. Yes, he went to a better group. It's a selfless group. He can be the lead guy some nights. He can be the two, the three. Yes, he made the call correctly. Now, I understand Collins going over the top on everyone sided, you know, with Westbrook. Everyone was against Durant. That wasn't necessarily the case. Actually, really, I was, I was mad at. Durant. I mean, I don't know about everybody, but yeah. the consensus was: How do you go to the team that just? Be, how do you go to your enemy? I didn't mind that. Uh, you, well, as a free agent, you go wherever you want. So, but I, but I've also been, you know, I was raised in. But your choice tells something about you. Yeah, but I didn't think he was. He was taking the easy path. I didn't mind that. I just didn't like the way he handled the end. But again, I don't have all the insight. So I exactly. probably shouldn't comment. Maybe now I'm listen, learning. if you start getting logical, your show might get bored. It'd be like, you're going to have to say, like, who knows? No, I, did, I bashed Durant a lot for what seemed like uh, just be a little bit classy and talk to your old teammate and say goodbye instead of, you know, doing it by text or however the hell he did it. They're, but they're both, they both have uh, many moments of immaturity. Many. Westbrook and Durant. To me, I think the questions that loomed when the decision was made are still unanswered for both players. Meaning, the question with Westbrook was, can he play with good players and win and keep them happy? And it would seem, if anything, he has impressed even more Westbrook as an amazing basketball player, a one-man gang. 
but I think there's even more cause for skepticism about his ability to fit on a team. With Durant, no one ever questioned could he win if he went to a good team or how good he was. He's great. One of the five. Mm-hmm. Even if you're anti-Durant, it's hard to make the case he's not top five in the NBA. The question is, could he be a leader? Could he be an alpha dog? And to me, I think both questions or that question is also still unanswered. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, both of them had their faults. And maybe the decision was right for both of them. Durant was humble enough in a way to say, I, I'm not the alpha dog. I'm going to go to a place where I don't need to be. And he's heading towards a second title. And number two, Westbrook, maybe it says, I'm, I just want to do this myself. And wherever the chips fall, they fall. And he will go down in history as a guy that had there. It was like 30 years between triple double. And he did averaging in a season. He did it two straight years, but I think neither of them have overcome their biggest problem. Last thing on this, you were talking about though, uh, Durant getting really, really, really negative with Harden about conditioning and all that stuff in the aftermath of the West conference finals. Hey, he said after the series, we knew at some point that they would tire out and pointed to the fact that Harden goes one-on-one so often and has to dribble so often to set up the offense or his own moves that he would tire out. And it's something that we discussed as a possibility. I didn't guarantee it would happen, but it got me really worried at the end of last season when he seemed to gas against the Spurs. And I thought it might happen again. And he caught a bad break. You know what? If CP three's around and they play team basketball and Harden isn't forced to feel like he had to carry the team and play hero ball, then maybe he doesn't tire out, but he tired out. Well, what's fascinating is it seems like Durant is contributing to the narrative about how smart it is to be on a team with so many other good players. I mean, you look back at OKC when they had all three guys and now where they've landed and how they play. Uh, Durant absolutely is the guy you want to play with because he can play every role. Harden and Westbrook, I don't know if they're ever going to be. You know what? I say that, though. They won 65 games and they were on the verge of beating the freaking Warriors. The Rockets were. I agree. It's interesting. I I have a lot of faith in uh, the Rockets and Daryl Morey. I mean, very, very, or I guess Daryl Morey specifically. Yeah. All right. It's time to get off his lawn. We've set this up. <laughs> you had, I mean, a lot of people would dream of the job you have talking sports for 15 hours in Las Vegas, going to casinos, pizza, play, pizza, rock, eating pizza, hand over fist. You're the bit, and this is true, guys. The biggest name in Vegas sports talk, it's not even close, not even close, Steve Cofield. But somehow a porn star pissed you off. Yes. I think it's going to piss you off when I tell you the story. I'll probably so, be pissed at you. <laughs> we're doing shows outside of T Mobile before the Stanley Cup final, game one. We've seen that there's a woman named Mia Khalifa. Now, I've done my research over the years on this young lady. She's <laughs> It's at home alone. She's very research. talented. The lights are off. The blinds are closed. She's very talented, right? She was a porn star. She claimed she did it for about three months. Her bit, Mia Khalifa, was that she's you know Muslim and she's committing the, the ultimate sins, right? And uh, she's going at it with all these different dudes, sometimes two and three at a time, right? And who doesn't like that? You're too much information. Yeah, I know. So, well, that said, uh, we know she's a DC fan. She's a big Capitals fan. She's actually a really good hockey fan. She goes to games all the time. And so what are you mad about? Here's what happened. 
I don't like anyone to dictate what's going to go on on my show. We're having her on for a reason. There's some titillation and she knows sports, right? And I mean titillation, right? You got to watch her videos. Uh, now, was she in studio? No, she was She was actually out sweating with us in Toshiba Plaza okay. in front of the okay. arena. Oh, so, so she, you were saying you are at the remote. Okay. Yeah, so she comes out, right? Well, first of all, there were conditions set beforehand. Her handler sent over a message and said, do not mention porn. Do not reference her as a porn star. She is a DC sports pundit. She's an internet star. And that's what you go with. Hmm. And we actually discussed it on the show and we're like, yeah, beforehand. Should we have her on? And one of the dummies is like, she has 2.2 million Twitter followers. Of course. And I knew, I knew going in, I was going to have trouble with it. And I'll admit I had a crappy attitude. So we go into the interview. So how hard is she, she in person? Uh, I'm, she's, I don't know. She's a nine. I'll say <laughs> you just shrug at a nine. Vegas is well, giant bombs and she's little. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say like, you know, a 10 plus face. Okay. Uh, by the way, she gave me the finger at one point during the interview. And if she hears this, I'm going to get the finger again. Right. Uh, but I, I clammed up and the other guys are asking questions and one of them asked, Hey, what are you doing tonight after the game? You're going to go crazy in Vegas. And she's like, no, I'm going to bed early. I don't stay up past 11. You know, I'm looking down. I'm a good girl. I'm looking yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking down and I see the pool and I would never go in one of those Vegas pools. They're gross. There's all that disease in there. And I, I could not contain myself. It just slipped out, and I go, well, that's quite the transformation. <laughs> Is that when you got the finger? And she goes, what do you mean? Oh, and I showed her to say, go. you know what I mean? How many Ds have you worked with, lady? It's a transformation. How about people are worried about you going in the pool? Now, that said, I'm sure she was ah, tested. Jesus, did you say that? No, I didn't say that. that. Was, that, that that's what been... I should have said. That's why I'm mad. I'm too old to be doing radio like that. Don't be a puss. What is wrong this with me? It's the business we've chosen. I know. <laughs> I got to be honest. God, I was pissed off afterwards. I'm like, I, why did I let let her dictate what was going on in an interview? Because you got to give context to the audience, too. Anyone who didn't know her. Mia who? Why is she on? It's just some lady screaming about hockey. And plus, she's if, she, if she's got millions of cans. if she's got millions of followers, that means a big chunk of the audience knew and was thinking, Cofield's such a pussy for not mentioning this. I, I yep. mean, it's, yell at me. I, I, to, I, I totally accept that you, I, I, listen, we could say, well, Howard Stern would have, you know, jumped her on air and all that. I don't like that. I think, especially with live radio, be honest. Yeah, But the idea, you could have got a whole half hour out of saying you refused. See, if I was executive producing your, well, first we'd be on national and all, but yes. I, it Not would be, local. it would, yeah, but it's like you could have had it where you tape recorded, you know, like some way you said, Hey, I want to like for, for background, I wanted to uh, tape record our discussion about what we're going to talk about or not. So now you've got that. Then you could have then said, listen, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about that. They would have either accepted it and you would have looked like the hero or they would have refused. And you could have got a half hour out of saying how you stood up because you wouldn't let hypocrisy or, go. Or, and you could have tweeted out like, if you don't know her, yep. check out her picture. This could have been awesome. Instead, you looked neutered. Yep. I'm weak. I and mean, all, all that said, I didn't need to pre-tape anything. She's live on air. She can make a decision on what she wants to do. Yeah, and, but, and but if handler, you agree to it, there was some but, little guy. You want to come across the table at me? It's hot. Yeah, but come on, let's go. But again, I get what is that. What's wrong with me? I, yeah, but I still think. Listen, if your word's not good, 
then it, it, that's all good for the business, too. Yeah, you're sandbagging, I guess. Right? Even so, if it's a porn star. But I think you could have made it a, a win-win regardless. Instead, you just put your head down and 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 and, and I, I don't even know. Uh, broken, beaten, man. What it was. <laughs> so, but, yes, I spent 15 minutes with a porn star and I left angry. There, there we go. Hey, listen. No one can. It's impossible to say we didn't deliver on our tees. All right, guys. We're going to be back with more. Don't bet on it. We promise. During the summer, though, not only do we have the dream preview every Wednesday, we're going to be doing, as we said, the Belmont next week. And additionally, we're going to have interviews. I've got three or four in the tank. Some really good Vegas Truth interviews. Follow us on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. And remember, favorite pod player. You won't miss anything. Search for RJ Bell and subscribe. Talk to you there.